Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So we're doing another of our catechetical homilies this week, and we want to examine this uh, reality that Jesus talks about in the Gospel today, the reality of hell. So we want to ask a couple of questions. First of all, why is there a hell at all? Then what is hell like? Or Well, what is hell, first of all? Then what is it like? And then uh, is there a way out of hell? And finally, uh, the question that Jesus gets asked in the Gospel today, how many will be saved? Or to say it another way, how many are going to hell? So this is what we want to think about. So first of all, why is there a hell at all? Uh, you know, people will sometimes say, if God is good and, and loving and merciful, why would he even make hell? But in fact, hell is the great guarantee of human freedom. You see, why, uh, when God created, he could have created a world uh, where everything just had to function the way he wanted it to, where everyone had to act the way he wanted them to. But that is not the kind of world that God wanted. He wanted a world where each person would be able to really love him and to give themselves to him. In other words, where they would be free. But if he is going to create that kind of a world, a world with true freedom, then he has to allow for the, the opposite, that people could reject him and love themselves more than him. And that is, of course, what ultimately hell is about. So you see, in the grand scheme of things, hell is a good thing. It is, it is the promise that if you go to heaven and you really are loving God, that you are really free to do that. Because if you couldn't go to hell, if it was impossible to go to hell, it would also be impossible to really love God. So that's why hell exists. It is, in the grand scheme of things, good, but it is, of course, not good for us to go there. So, what does the Catechism teach us about hell? Here's what the Catechism says. The teaching of the Church affirms the existence of hell and its eternity. Immediately after death, the souls of those who die in a state of mortal sin descend into hell, where they suffer the punishments of hell, eternal fire. The chief punishment of hell is eternal separation from God, in whom alone man can possess the life and happiness for which he was created and for which he longs. So that's a lot, and we can unpack that by considering, uh, first of all, so what really is hell? As the Catechism says, the, the fundamental reality of hell is the separation from God. We're made to be with God, and to not be with God for all eternity, that frustration of our very identity and nature is what hell ultimately is. And uh, that means that it's a choice. Uh, the Catechism points out that it is when we commit mortal sin that we are going to hell if we don't repent, right? So in that sense, now, of course, God is our judge, and so in, in one sense, he is sending us to hell. But in that, in, in a deeper sense, we are choosing hell, right? When we choose to commit things that we know are wrong, in other words, mortal sins, then we are choosing hell. What, though, is hell like? Well, hell is terrible, obviously. Uh, you know, we can maybe get an idea of the, the terribleness of hell by thinking of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Gethsemane, Jesus is taking on himself 
the sins of all the world. And he suffers. He's in so much anxiety and, and stress that he's sweating blood. And he is not even guilty of any of those sins. So imagine that, that kind of anxiety upon you for all eternity and knowing, in fact, that you are guilty of those sins. That is really what it means to be separated from God. So you'll notice the catechism brings up the idea of fire, right? Fire is what we usually associate with hell. Uh, now, in one way, that's a, a symbol, because if you die now, you don't have a body, so it, like, there's not actually going to be flames burning you. But in that sense, the fire is a symbol of this great anxiety and, and uh, terrible pain that we experience from that separation from God. But, but, there will be, the, uh, at the end of time, there will be the general resurrection of the dead. And the damned, too, will receive back their body. And at that point, there will indeed be physical fire to go along with that spiritual pain uh, to, to burn us. Jesus says that, you know, in many places, in the, uh, the eternal fire of hell. You know, another, uh, he also talks about darkness, right? Hell is dark. It is a scary place to be. But another very uh, important image that he uses is he says in St. Matthew's Gospel, he says, their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now that's interesting about the worm. What does that mean? Does that mean when we get our bodies back uh, that they'll be like maggot, maggot infested or something? That's a terrible idea. Maybe that's what it means. But you know what else it, uh, brings to my mind is the reality of the demons, right? You're not alone down there in hell. There are demons, and they are way more powerful than you, and they hate you, and they are going to do everything that they can to make your eternity far worse than it would otherwise be. They can, in some real way, fundamentally compromise your soul in the same way that a worm might compromise your physical body. And so it is, hell is a terrible place. You do not want to go there, I assure you, right? So, that brings us to the question, then, uh, is there a way out of hell? Well, the answer to the simple answer is no, right? Uh, hell, as the Catechism says, is eternal. Eternal. Now, we might think sometimes about, uh, you know, we pray in the creed, Jesus descended into hell, and he rescued those souls who were down there in hell. What is that about? That's because before Jesus came, Nobody went to heaven, right? There was not a way to go to heaven. So everybody was, in some sense, in hell. And so when Jesus came, he went down there to hell, and he saved the righteous people who were down there and took them to heaven. That's true. But is that ever going to happen again? No, because it doesn't need to happen again. You know, uh, Dante, who wrote the famous divine comedy, um, The Inferno, maybe you read that in college or something, but he has this very provocative image of the gates of hell. They're like ripped off the hinges and kind of just hanging there. They can no longer be shut or locked because when Jesus went down to hell, he ripped them apart, right? That's the idea, really, of hell, is that anybody who can go to heaven is going to get there. The people who are in hell are the people, again, who have made that choice by mortal sin. Now, you know, we might say, well, who would ever really choose that? Especially, like, when we think of the terrible pains of hell. Who would ever choose that kind of pain? But, uh, you know, you can get an idea of this if you've ever had one of, uh, one of your kids who doesn't want to do something, like their homework, right? And you're like, 
Now, get your homework done before the end of the night or you're not getting any ice cream. And they're like, fine, I don't want any ice cream. And you're like, get your homework done by the end of the night or you're grounded for a week. And they're like, fine, then I'll be grounded for a week. And you're like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, this is not so bad, just do your homework. But see, that's the reality of the human will is it really can fix itself on something simply for the sake of being in control of itself, refusing to obey, right? And that is what happens in hell. That, uh, it's, of course, nobody's choosing the pains, but people choose their own will over God. And see, the reason that we change our mind a lot in this life is because we learn things through our bodies. We're always having new experiences, learning new things, and so we change our minds all the time. But that's not the way it's going to be after death. In the moment of death, we stand before God. And at that point, we know everything that we need to know to make that final choice. And if we have chosen ourselves over God, we're never changing that choice. It's just we are going to persist in that for all eternity. So hell is forever. Uh, Jesus is very clear on that. So that brings us to the last question, and that is, so how many will be saved? Uh, Most importantly, will I be saved or am I going to go to hell? Uh, That's what the guy, of course, is asking Jesus in the gospel today. Now, Jesus does not give a straight-out answer, uh, and that sometimes leads people to say, well, uh, in fact, Bishop Barron says this on the internet. Um, He says, you know, maybe there's a possibility that we can hope that nobody's actually in hell. I guess you can say that without necessarily being a heretic, but you're getting kind of close, right? I mean, ultimately, because I don't think that Jesus just wants to scare us about hell for no reason. Like, oh, let me make you afraid of hell so that nobody will go there, right? That is not what Jesus does. Uh, In fact, Jesus says very clearly that you have to strive to enter by the narrow gate because many will not be strong enough. In another another gospel, he says, uh, narrow is the way that leads to salvation, but broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are they who walk in it. Jesus gives us many parables, like the uh, rich man who's got that poor man living outside of his doorstep. He goes to hell because he doesn't take care of his neighbor. Uh, When Jesus depicts the judgment, uh, you know, the separation to the right and to the left, he says to those who are on his left, depart into eternal fire. Why? Because you did not uh, feed me or give me drink or give me clothing in the least of my brethren, right? So it's not just like you murdered somebody, you're going to hell. There are, you know, Jesus makes it very clear that if we can separate ourselves from God in many ways and that we have to strive to live a life of holiness. Now, we can maybe uh, ask the question or, or look to the saints. The saints are not like uh, the end-all, be-all, but they're a lot holier than we are. They typically know the Bible a lot better than we do. And so what is the opinion of the saints on how many people are going to be saved? Well, first of all, we can think of Our Lady of Fatima. She appeared to the three children at Fatima, and one of the things that she did was she showed them a vision of hell. And this is, of course, just private revelation, but it's an approved apparition by the church. And what did, she, what did they see? They saw souls falling into hell, so many that they looked like they were snowflakes falling from the sky. You know, that's how many were falling into hell. So that's not a pleasant idea. Here's what some of the saints say. St. Augustine, very blunt. Doubtless, he says, there are but few who are saved. 
St. Alphonsus Liguori says, the greater part of men choose to be damned rather than to love Almighty God. St. John Chrysostom, he was the Bishop of Constantinople, a very big city in the ancient world. This is what he says. What I'm about to tell you is very terrible, yet I will not conceal it from you. Out of this thickly populated city with its thousands of inhabitants, not 100 people will be saved. I even doubt whether there will be as many as that. He goes on to say, I do not think that many priests will be saved, but that those who perish are far more numerous. So, yeah, like, I love when we read those kinds of things, of course. Um, St. Louis de Montfort here, he says, the number of the elect is so small, so small, that were we to know how small it is, we would faint away with grief, one here and there scattered up and down the world. So those are the opinions of the saints, right? Uh, when we look at what Jesus says in the Bible, it seems pretty clear that there are a lot of people who go to hell, and we do not want to be one of those people. You know, I, I tell you all of this, share all that, those quotes with you, not to, like, freak you out or scare you, like, give you a depression that you're going to hell. No, because although it may be hard to live a life of holiness, it's very simple. It's very simple to not go to hell. All we have to do is repent of our mortal sins, right? Jesus has come to save us, and Jesus' power is greater than the power of hell greater than the devil, greater than our own selfishness. All we have to do is repent of our sin. If we're leading a life of sin, uh, if we're stuck in some mortal sin, we need to repent of that, change our lives, come to confession. We need to pray for the grace of a, a holy death, that at the hour of our death we'll be able to receive the sacraments of the church. You know, Jesus says to St. Faustina in the Divine Mercy apparition, even at the very last moment, when it might seem like, from a human perspective, everything is lost, this soul is beyond help, even then, I can save that soul if it repents, if it turns to me for mercy. So, the idea here is not to, to be freaked out about hell. We should be afraid of hell. We should hate hell, and we should do everything that we can to avoid it, but we should realize that the mercy of God is greater if we allow him to change our life if we repent of our sins and ask for that mercy. So hopefully these um, catechetical homilies continue to be of some assistance to you, but we uh, most of all want to every day repent for our sins so that we might avoid hell and enter into the glory of heaven. Immaculate Heart of Mary, 